Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 51 of the Resilient Leaders Podcast, where we're convinced that resilience in leadership is not simply a good idea, it's required. I'm J.R. Briggs, and my family and I, we love going to Ocean City, New Jersey each summer. We love it. Several years ago, early one morning, we were out by the water and we watched a group of people who were taking surfing lessons. We would watch these wide-eyed and hopeful surf students try and then fall off their boards and then try again until they would finally learn to ride a wave all the way in, and they were thrilled. One student, probably in middle school, had ridden his first wave. He rode it all the way into the shore, and he was still standing on his board when all the water had ebbed back into the sea. And he just stood there, motionless, on his board in the sand. (laughs) After a moment, the instructor looked at him a little bit confused, and he finally said, hey, good job, man, but what are you doing? The wave is done. It's time to go out and catch another one. And it struck me. This is how we do it in leadership, don't we? We catch our wave, and we just keep riding in all the way in. And then we stay on the board, on the shore, long after the wave is done. Because we like how it felt, and so we reminisce, and we try to recreate it in our minds, or we sentimentalize by just staying on our boards. But as resilient leaders, we can appreciate the ride that we just experienced. But then we need to hop off our board, and we need to go catch another wave. The wave is done. It's time to go out and catch another one. That's what resilient leaders do. And so we're going to look today at something about resilient leaders, how we're not on islands. Resilient leaders are not islands in and of themselves. Leaders lead people, which means we lead teams. And so we should always be asking, what makes a good team and how do I lead a team well? Well, Google has been ranked for several years in a row by Fortune magazine as one of America's top workplaces. Now with over 100,000 employees, the company has devoted enormous resources to studying workers' happiness and productivity. Much of this research comes out of the People Analytics Group, which is part of Google's Human Resource Division. They were tasked with studying nearly every aspect of how employees spend their time. A few years ago, this group was specifically tasked with studying healthy team dynamics within the company. This study was dubbed Project Aristotle, and it had researchers spend more than 150 hours asking Google employees what they thought made an effective team. After millions of dollars and four years of thorough research on over 200 teams, in throughout the company, they found five key factors which they called norms on all healthy teams. After the data was compiled, Laszlo Bach, former head of people operations at Google, shared with the Google employees, who are called Googlers, one of the main findings in the research. One of the biggest takeaways was that how teams work mattered more than who was on the team. See, there is this myth that we all carry inside of our heads. We think we need to be superstars. That's not what the research found. You can take a team of the average performers, and if you teach them to interact the right way, they'll do things that no superstar could ever accomplish. 
Now, Charles Duhigg, in his book, Smarter, Faster, Better, The Secrets of Being Productive in Life and Business, he talked about this in great length in chapter two of his book. And the data shows that there's a universality to how good teams succeed. There are five norms that Google found in these healthy teams. You ready? Google just gave them to the world, and they're incredibly valuable uh, information for us. Number one, the first norm, dependability. Team members get things done on time. They are responsible, but they also need to know that they can depend on other people on the team, that they will do what they said they would do when they would do it, that they would be responsible as well. Number two, the second norm, that there is structure and clarity. Team members on a team possess clear roles, plans, and goals that people should know not only their own job responsibilities, but everybody else's job too. There is a shared understanding. The third norm is meaning. Team members believe their work is important to them and every other team member. Norm number four, impact. Team members believe their work creates, that their work matters, and it actually creates real change in the world. And number five, psychological safety. Team members feel safe to take risks and be vulnerable in front of each other. Members of the team feel confident to speak up. They have the sense that other team members are truly listening to them. This involves a strong sense of confidence that the team will not embarrass, reject, or punish someone for speaking up. It describes the team climate characterized by interpersonal trust and mutual respect in which people are comfortable being themselves. They won't be penalized for sharing an honest and genuine opinion. They believe that they will not be shunned or punished if they fail or if they say the quote-unquote wrong thing. This study revealed that high psychological safety was the number one factor by far on healthy teams. The trust must be high in teams or health will not occur. Now that may sound familiar to you because that is one of our core beliefs here on resiliency in leadership. Now studies also continue to show that while psychological safety might seem inefficient in the short term, teams are more productive and effective in the long run. In other words, being an effect, an efficient team is not the same thing as being an effective and productive team. Now, Google also commissioned another study dubbed Project Oxygen, and, and this study looked at what it meant to be an effective manager at Google, and they found eight key characteristics. Number one, a good manager is a good coach. Number two, they empower and do not, dis, not micromanage. Number three, they express interest and concern in subordinates, success, and well-being. Number four, they were results-oriented. Five, they listened and shared information with the team. Six, they helped with career development. Seven, they had clear vision and strategy. And number eight, they had key technical skills. So what's the role of a leader on a team? Team leaders have a significant role to play to cultivate healthy team dynamics. And study after study shows that while psychological safety might be less efficient in the short run, it's worth saying again, it is more productive and effective over time. Most importantly, leaders need to model the right behaviors. Within the company, there were Google design checklists, and on the checklist of what good leaders of meetings and teams should do included the following. They should not interrupt teammates during conversations. They should demonstrate their listening by summarizing what people say after they said it. They should admit when they don't know the answer. 
They should end a meet should not end a meeting until all team members have spoken up at least once. And they should encourage people who are upset to express their frustration. Finally, on the checklist is that they should call out intergroup conflicts and resolve them through open discussions. You see, teams succeed when everyone feels like they can speak up and when team members show that they're sensitive to how each other feels, psychological safety is deepened. The route to establishing psychological safety begins with the team's leader. Are you encouraging equality and speaking and reward or are you just rewarding the loudest people? Are you modeling listening? Are you demonstrating the sensitivity to what people think and feel, or are you letting decisive leadership be an excuse for not paying as close attention as you should? When people come together in a group, sometimes we need to give control to others. That's ultimately what team norms are. Individuals willingly giving a measure of control to their teammates. As leaders, we must give away control in our teams so that team members own the process. As Craig Rochelle said, you can have control or growth, but you can't have both. Leaders have a crucial role to play in setting the tone, the culture, and the norms for your team. Now that you know these five norms, how will you as a leader cultivate a healthy culture with your team moving forward? Now, some of you may be wondering, I think I know my, how my team is doing. I think I know if we're doing well or not well in these five norms, these five areas. But how is my team actually doing? Now, I want to let you know, I've led dozens of teams through an assessment that I've developed around these five norms. I even administer the assessment so leaders don't have to do that. So you get real honest data. So if you're interested in knowing more, let me know. Let's talk. I'd love to help lead you and your team more effectively. If you need help, just contact me. My information is in the show notes. I'd be glad to help you develop these five norms in your particular context. Now, thank you for joining me today. And thanks, as always, to Joel Limbowen at On a Limb Productions. Joel produces all of the episodes on this podcast. To know more, to see his videos, and to learn about his, his podcast production work, visit onalimproductions.com. Leaders, be faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. Keep leaning in and learning. And remember, to be an effective leader, you have to lead your teams effectively. Oh, and also remember, the wave is done, so it's time to go out and catch another one. <laughs>